everyone. Um, first off, I would like to say sorry that this episode is out a few, actually over 12 hours later than usual. Um, for those of you that don't know, I am a first year PhD student and this is finals week. So I have been running around like a chicken with my head cut off um, as of the recording of this podcast, which is Thursday night. I have one essay left, then I can go on summer break, which really isn't a break because obviously I still have tons of wrestling stuff to do in addition to work, in addition to prepping for like my next semester, but I won't have anything to turn in. So that'd be cool. But anyway, um, this is going to be an episode all about wrapping up the month of April, which has been just absolutely incredible in the world of pro wrestling. We've seen a lot of cool things that I don't think many of us expected to see. Uh, most recently, last night on AEW Dynamite, we had the return of Roderick Shaw. And I would like to say, and I think I tweeted this um, for those of you who follow me on Twitter, at Lyric Wrestling. I tweeted this um, and I quoted a tweet that I had made a couple months ago, I think it was in January, and I said, everything will be complete if AEW gets Nigel McGinnis and Roger Sean. And here we are in April. And I would just like to say that I'm just so happy to be right. Like, I'm just so happy to be correct. This is one of those things where I'm so glad that this is the hill that I decided to die on. And man, it's, we're living, man. Like, we have Roddy, Adam Cole, Nigel McGinnis, Brian Danielson, Claudio Castagnoli. Um, you just got so many of like, you know, the greats who started out in Ring of Honor and have continued to set the wrestling world on fire. Great signing from New Japan in the sense of we just got Jay White. It's just a, a fun time to be alive, to be a wrestling fan. Um, Samoa Joe, who signed last year, like, man, like, it's just a great time to be a wrestling fan. I love the TK-verse, um, where everybody from AEW, Ring of Honor, New Japan, NOAA, DDT, um, TJPW, I'm probably missing one, um, hopefully stardom soon. Everybody is just working together, and I think that this is what professional wrestling is going to be, supposed to be. And I'm glad that we're starting to see so many of these um, collaborations specifically over the past year and a half. But without any further ado, I'm going to get into my match review. So originally I planned for this to be 10 to 15 matches. But that's impossible because, like I said, April has been just really good. Like it's just been really good in the world of professional wrestling. So on my running spreadsheet of matches that I like. For April alone, there were over 50. So I did limit myself in the sense of there's only 16. I thought I was going to get to 20. Um, I was like, that's where I really got to cut it off. Um, but I really love all of these matches. And honestly, there were so many other matches, like I said, that I liked. But I was just like, let's keep this limited. And so I'm going to, uh, I have them in chronological order because Ordering things like from best to worst, like that really gives me anxiety. So we're not doing that. So starting on April 1st, I pulled three matches 
from WrestleMania 39 night one. And I'm not typically uh, the biggest WWE fan. Like I really only watch pay-per-views and big shows from them at this point. Obviously I have a lot of faves over there that um, I love to keep up with, but I don't watch the weekly product as much. And I will say I didn't see the build to most of these matches. Um, but I still think that these are some of the best matches of the year. So the first one being Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte Flair. Wow. Like, I think, one, this was, a lot of us wondered, like, why didn't they run Bianca versus Rhea for WrestleMania? It seemed like it would have been a much bigger story. And this match finally made everything click for me, like, uh, at least for the long-term booking. I think that everything that WWE does between WrestleManias with women's booking specifically is very questionable. However, I do understand, like, you had WrestleMania 38, you have Bianca finishing her story and basically redeeming herself against Becky Lynch after taking that loss um, at SummerSlam. And then I feel like at WrestleMania 39, you have Rhea Ripley redeeming herself against Charlotte after the loss that she had originally taken when going up against Charlotte at that big show. And I think that this match won. I think it over-delivered. I think this is the best women's match that I've seen from WWE in quite a while. Maybe, probably, arguably since Becky versus Bianca at WrestleMania, WrestleMania 38. And I was just blown away with how physical this match was. Like, I think I tweeted that this is the best women's match I've seen without a pile driver in a long time. And because Charlotte took those bumps, man. Like, she was taking neck bumps like crazy. And I think a lot of times Charlotte gets a lot of flack um, sometimes. But one thing she is, and always will be, is she is a big match performer. When the lights are bright and when the lights are brightest and when she feels under pressure, specifically because, you know, they obviously wanted the main event and that went to another match. And so Charlotte Flair was something to prove. It's just a whole different breed. And she just reminds you why she is the queen. Um, has she been overexposed at times? Absolutely. Has... WWE going a little bit far in padding her credentials um, so she could break her father's record? Absolutely. But there's no doubt in my mind that she is talented. Like, she is naturally gifted. She gets it not just physically and athletically. She gets it mentally. Her ring psychology is A+. And honestly, I think this is one of Charlotte's best matches in WWE, like I, I, for me, I think it's one of her top three matches. It's one of my personal favorites of hers. And so I loved this match. I think that it's definitely a contender for women's match of the year. And yeah, I, I just loved everything about this match. It was perfect. And moving on, we had the match that was the main event, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn versus the Usos. One, this is the first tag team match that has ever main event at WrestleMania. And obviously, this was coming out of the hottest story 
in recent memory for WWE, and I will be honest, I completely like took my foot off the gas after Sammy lost at a elimination chamber. I do still stand by the fact that he should have beat Roman, but honestly, after seeing like the outcome of night two, clearly they were not going to let anybody beat Roman. And so, you know what? I I'm glad that Sammy came out of this as essentially the only person that got to finish his story. Um, even from the chills that I got in the entrances when you have Sammy and Kevin coming out and they have the PWG logo on their gear. Um, it was special. Like this match was special. It was emotional. It was storytelling. It reminded me quite a bit of the Kenny Omega and Hangman Page versus the Young Bucks match in the sense of that in-ring storytelling and like that drama and like like the end when Sammy like grabs Jay by the neck and like the haluva kicks and it's just like, ugh, I loved everything about it. And that match was special. And I will say it didn't resonate with me as much on the first time around. Like obviously the ending did, but the actual match itself didn't resonate with me for some reason on the first go around. And I think maybe I was just caught up in like so many of the emotions of it all. But when I rewatched it back, absolutely perfect. Um, I, I love tag team wrestling and I've become even a bigger fan of tag team wrestling over the past year. And that was one of the matches that genuinely made me sad that WWE does not collaborate with other organizations because man, like I would love to see Sammy and Kevin up against the Bucks or, oh my gosh, Oxy Open or something like that. And I mean, the Usos, they've been good for so long. And I think a lot of us have been, I was eager to see them, you know, test themselves up against the best tag teams in the world. And so it was just one of those that made, like, like, it was really one of those matches that was very bittersweet of just like, ugh, I wish things could be like this all the time. I wish that tag team at, um, wrestling was always treated with this level of importance in WWE. Moving on to night two, um, there was the match that we knew was going to be one of the best matches, if not the best match of the weekend, and probably WWE's match of the year candidate. Gunther versus Drew McIntyre versus Sheamus. This match didn't disappoint. And I will say, like I said, I didn't watch the build to this match at all. Um, I just knew once it was announced, obviously, that these three are some of the best pound-for-pound wrestlers in the world. Sheamus being on this incredible career resurgence. Drew McIntyre, who has been, I, I think, just full throttle since coming back to WWE and so beloved. And I have been, I've been one, I mean, the same way that I wanted a long title reign for Sammy. I wanted Seth Rollins to get a world title reign, even Cody. I want the same thing for Drew McIntyre because I feel like it's still unfair that he never got to get that you know, title reign in front of fans due to COVID. Um, and he's been really good for a very long time. And then Gunther. I mean, 
Gunther, Walter, whatever you want to call him, he has single-handedly been the legitimizer for WWE since he got here. Like, from NXT UK all the way to the main roster, all of the five... I'm not going to say all, but most five-star matches that have come out of WWE have involved him. Um, He is a wrestling guy, a pure wrestling guy, and that's what I like. Like, you know, promos are cool, and sports entertainment is cool, but I love the wrestling aspect, and I think he just offers that legitimate, like that legitimacy to WWE, and I think that they need that. Um, And I think that that is one of the things that hooks fans who still want that wrestling and that that wrestling-centric perspective when they watch their televisions, whether it's Monday nights, Friday nights, or a PLE on the weekends. And so I think that you put all these three special individuals together, it was destined to be an incredible match. And it, it absolutely was. And, I mean, those chops were... We knew they were going to be nasty. We knew they were going to be loud. But wow, like everybody walked out with their chest looking like hamburger meat. And that's my favorite brand of chaos. Like that's my favorite brand of wrestling chaos. Like I love when people just beat the hell out of each other. You chop each other like you're trying to like, you know, literally put your opponent in the ground. That's the type of wrestling that I like. And there's some more matches like that that, obviously are on this list, but we'll get to those later. Up next, now this was actually, in my opinion, the best match, the best pound-for-pound, bell-to-bell wrestling match of WrestleMania weekend. And I was not expecting this at all. I actually forgot that it was happening this weekend. And that was Shingo Takagi versus Aaron Hanare. Now, that was from the Road to Secure Genesis. It was the first ever Ultimate Triad match. Um, and it was held by New Japan, obviously. And it was for the King of Pro Wrestling Provisional Championship, which Shingo currently holds. So the rules of a triad match is you have to pin your opponent, you have to submit your opponent, and you have to get, ha- get your opponent down for a 10 count. And so, oh my gosh, this was the first time this match ever happened, but wow, these two deliver. I will say, I, Aaron Hanari, I have to apologize to you. I was not familiar with your game. I did not know that you were that talented. Obviously, I knew that you were good because you're in United Empire, but I had no idea that you had that in the tank. And Shingo, Shingo is always fantastic, but... I've said this on the podcast before. If you want to make a belt mean something and you want it to feel important, put it on Shingo Takagi. He's one of those people. This match was absolutely incredible. And um, I think Meltzer ended up writing it, what, 5.25 stars. And I think a lot of people haven't watched it because this one didn't have English commentary. But honestly even though I would have preferred that it did, like it really didn't need it. Um, They told a great story. And yeah, I just love that match. I highly recommend it. If you haven't seen it, please go watch it. 
Um, like I said, it was on the road to Slicker Genesis show on WrestleMania weekend. Absolutely fantastic. Up next, Athena versus Mia Yamashita. Um, that was on Ring of Honor, Honor Club. And I don't know how many times I can say it, but Athena is the most dominant world champion in the world today, regardless of gender. And she's doing it all on her own merit. Um, she doesn't have any faction. She doesn't have a manager. She doesn't have, like, you know, a, a crew. Like, she's just violent. Um, and she's dominant. And she's absolutely incredible. And she's wrestling on a week-to-week basis. And for her to go and get violent with someone like me, Yamashita, who is absolutely one of the best strikers, regardless of gender, in the world. Like, she's absolutely incredible. These two had a match beginning at the beginning of the year with Prestige Wrestling, um, the Vendetta show, and it was good. But the finish was a little questionable. And, like, you know, I will say... I'm not going to say I left a bad taste in my mouth, but it definitely was a match where I was just like, oh, I need to see a, re- a rematch at one point. Like, I need a rematch. And this rematch did not disappoint. It was absolutely fantastic. Athena has not missed on these title defenses at all. And I love the fact that it seems like TK is really on a hunt for the best talent in the world to come bring for her to wrestle. Like, she calls herself the Joshi Killer. And, whoa, man, like, incredible defenses against, you know, Mia Yamashita, Yuka Sakazaki, Emi Sakura. She has been on a whole nother level. Athena is really that damn good. And I'm excited to see where the rest of her reign goes. Um, when I was watching Ring of Honor TV, tonight it looks like her next challenger will be Sky Blue which I think is really good. Sky Blue has been killing it. And I think that for her to be somebody that hasn't been wrestling very long, her movements are so fluid. And you can tell that she's been doing the work. She's been getting those reps in. And I'm really impressed with her from a wrestling standpoint. And I would love to see more character development from her and more promo work. But I think that her and Athena are primed to have a great match. But Athena, man, like she's just killing it. And I'm really proud to see just how far she's come and how she's owning her character and she's just owning her creativity. And then she has just taken the ball and she's running with it. And she's setting the standard. Like she is Ring of Honor at this point. Like, no offense to Claudio, who's also having great matches too. I love him. But Athena is Ring of Honor. She is the face of Ring of Honor. She is the standard right now for wrestling, period. And I love that for her. Up next, much like WrestleMania, there were multiple matches from this particular show that I loved. And so I put three of them on here. If it was up to me, well, it is up to me. But if I felt like I could just have a limitless amount of numbers, I'd probably put half the matches on that card on here. And, yes, I'm talking about New Japan Pro Wrestling, Sakura Genesis. Yes, New Japan is back, baby. This has been a great year for New Japan so far. Wrestle Kingdom, A Battle in the Valley, Sakura Genesis. Um, What else am I missing? Um, Capital Collision, Collision in Philadelphia, 
absolutely incredible shows across the board. And I, yeah, and that was two Wrestle Kingdoms, by the way. Like Wrestle Kingdom, the January 4th shows, and then the NJPW versus Noah show, which was also incredible. And it's been great. And Secure Genesis right now, in my opinion, is one of the top five best shows of the year, in my opinion. If I had to pick, it will probably be at number one of pound for pound, just strong shows one or two, um, simply because of the strength of that card. Um, I say that that five-match stretch of title matches towards the end of the show was maybe the best five-match stretch I've ever witnessed in wrestling um, from the New Japan World um, TV title um, match, um, Zack Sabre Jr. versus Shota Umino. Then they tacked the women's championship match, Mercedes, um, Azumi, and Hazuki. You had the tag team match, which was Aussie Open versus Bishamon. Then you had the junior heavyweight match, which was Hiromu Takahashi versus Robbie Eagles. And then the IWGP heavyweight championship match, which was um, Okada versus Sonata. And, and that, we entered that part because right before it, Bullet Club turned on ALP, which broke my heart. And that, but it just set off just this amazing stretch of the card that I love. But three matches that I chose, the first one being Mercedes Monet versus Azumi versus Suzuki. That was the best women's triple threat match I've ever seen. And I think going into this match, like a lot of people were worried about how, including me, how much time the women were going to get, especially after seeing a five minute match at Wrestle Kingdom. And like, you know, when you're on the New Japan shows, it's very quickly you realize this isn't stardom. Like, you know, this is a male dominated industry this male dominated card this is a male dominated promotion and so the women's division thing is still very new and so you never know like how much time that they're going to get but because this was a high speed match and this ended up being what, around what 13 minutes it was absolutely perfect like i think like a 12 13 minute high speed match is so much better than like you know just a 30-minute match of just fluff, you know? Uh, it was intense. The action never stopped. And obviously, we knew that Azumi was going to eat. You know, we knew that the famous AZM was going to eat. Like, she is the reigning high-speed champion in stardom. She's absolutely incredible. This is what she does, you know? But one... Mercedes, she did not get on at all. Like, she stepped up. She matched the energy, and she matched it well, and she gave as good as she got. And I think a lot of people were like, oh, yeah, she's going to get exposed. No, you can't get exposed when you're best in the world. Um, and that means best in America, best in Japan. She can go up against just about anyone. And she's always going to um, prevail and look like the star that she is. And so she had an incredible performance. She adapted to the Japanese style beautifully for that being her first match in Japan, like physically in Japan. She hadn't missed a beat. But 
Number two, a lot of people in this match, uh, heading into this match, were writing off Hazuki. But Hazuki, the wild heart, is nothing to play with. I've said it before. I'll say it again. She is the future. And every time I watch her, I'm just blown away. She's one of the she's one of my top five, you know, female wrestlers of 2023 so far. Every single time she performs, she gives it all she got. And what I love about her is that like she's so smiley and so happy. And then she like it reminds me of if you've ever seen the Incredibles Jack Jack. So you know how Jack Jack would be all cute. Um, just a cute baby, but when he turns into that little Tasmanian devil thing, he just snaps and then goes right back to normal. That's Suzuki. Um, like when she battered <laughs> Mercedes's face in for that long, I was like, oh my gosh. And a lot of people thought she was going to eat that pen. No, because you know what? Better is coming for her. Not saying that, you know, better isn't coming for, um, Azumi, but like she already high speed champion. Like obviously, you know, it's only up for her, but Suzuki, I think that we're going to see some really great opportunities for her by the end of this year. And so I'm super excited about it. And I loved that match. Up next, Aussie Open versus Bishamon. So, you know, I was one of the people who was very heartbroken. Very, very, very heartbroken when Aussie Open lost in the final of World Tag League. I and specifically versus Bishamon. Like I have watched that video of Mark Davis's and Kyle Fletcher's backstage comments after the final World Tag League when they're absolutely crushed over and over and over and over again because it was crushing. And then, and most many of you, if you're on Twitter, you probably saw it, but Mark Davis had the had tweeted just a few months ago about how he hadn't seen Kyle in months and Aussie Open has no bookings and the few and they had no signings and nobody knew what was next for them. And suddenly Aussie Open is everywhere. They're on AEW, they're on Ring of Honor, they're in New Japan, like they're everywhere. They're racking up wins. They're on TV basically every week. And it's just been incredible to see them finish their story. And also this match was nuts. Um, Bishimon, like Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi, like you have to give them their respect. Like they are awesome at what they do, truly. But also open, like Kyle Fletcher literally split his head open <laughs> with that moonsault, like split his head open. He gets taped up. Then he starts bleeding through the gauze. I, I was shocked that he was even able to finish the match, let alone win. And that was one of the most satisfying moments for me as a fan. Like, it's one thing, like, that's why you love pro wrestling. You know, like, entering storytelling is just beautiful. And also, like, when you follow these, ama these amazing talents on their journeys and you watch the ups and downs, it feels so good to, like, finally be able to celebrate them and see them get their moment and it also reminds you to like you know instant gratification 
never pays off in the long run of just like, you know, yeah, maybe we could have had Aussie Open win World Tag League at the end of 2022 and go up against FTR at Wrestle Kingdom. And that would have been great. Don't get me wrong. That would have been awesome. However, I think everything happens in its own time. So now we've gotten Aussie Open. They've become this best tag team in the world. And they've been wrestling matches literally all over the world. All 2023 so far, they've won the IWGP um, Heavyweight Tag Team Championships. They've won the New Japan Strong um, Championships back. And... It's, and they're showing up on Ring of Honor and things like So, you know, they finally, they have the credentials to back it up in the sense of when they finally go back to war with FTR and do have that rematch from Royal Quest 2, and which we hope is going to be at Forbidden Door, wink, wink, it's going to be 10 times better than, you know, it would have been on Russell Kingdom. And so everything happens in its own time. That match was amazing. I love Aussie Open. Aussie Open, I love you. You're probably never going to listen to this, but I love you. And I'm just so proud of y'all. Last match that I'm going to pick from Sakura Genesis is Hiromu Takahashi versus Robbie Eagles. Hiromu Takahashi has been having an absolutely insane run as IWGP Junior Weight Heavyweight Champion. I'm having been I'm not as familiar with his previous reigns with this belt. However, I can speak for this one. And every single title defense has been incredible. I will say, I had no idea who Robbie Eagles was before this. Like I saw the teasers and when, you know, when basically when Zach Sabre Jr. announced him as the next member of TMBK and that he would be Harumbo's opponent, but I had never seen any matches of his. And I wasn't familiar with him at all. However, he made me very familiar with him with this match. The limb work on here, I have never seen that level of limb work ever. Um, He's such a technician. He's so good. And he does work well with Hiromu. And also, Hiromu is such a good seller. Like, when when his opponents work on his body parts, he can convince me that he is dying. Like, he can convince me that he is dying. And this match was just so good. It depends on what style of wrestling you like. You know, some people might say, you know, it was too slow, too calculated. Like, I love stuff like that. Um, If you know you're telling a story effectively, it was amazing. And obviously, Hiromu retained, but it made me want to see much more of Robbie Eagles eventually. I'm excited to see him in the best of the Super Juniors this year. Hopefully, let's see if he can come over to the U.S. and Philly for the All-Star Junior Festival. But um, I think I've said this before, but I think that 2023 has been, one, a very great year for Lucha Libre. And two, a very good year for junior heavyweights slash cruiserweights. I think we're back in a resurgence of, you know, the high flyers and, you know, the little guys are winning. And I love it. And I think that so many great people are getting opportunities. And I think that New Japan has been a huge part of that. And Hiromu Takahashi has been a huge part of that and the way that he has defended that championship um, has been absolutely admirable, and I am a fan. 
Up next, another match. And I, I call this one a deep cut. Taya Valkyrie versus Emi Sakura. And so, I, Emi Sakura is AEW sixth woman of the year. She is one of those people who can come off the bench and score 50 points. She makes everyone look good, and she's going to give everybody their last match. I mean, not their last match, their best match, Jesus. But um, from Taya, we've seen – we had seen her up to this point, you know, but it was tons of squash matches. Like, you know, for people who have never seen Taya in AAA or in Impact, I don't think that we could have really gauged how much of what she could really do. But this match changed that. Um, these women beat the hell out of each other. Like when I talk about hoss fights and people just chopping the crap out of each other, this was one of those matches. And um, Taya and Emmy are both both veterans, and I feel like they could do so much more with each other than they can with some of the you know younger opponents in. This match was on Rampage, by the way, but it was just so good. Um, I wish it could be longer, but I would love to see these two run it back because they had amazing chemistry. And, you know, I just think that, you know, we need more of a veteran presence, specifically in the women's division from a wrestling standpoint. Um, you know, and I, and I think that we only grow. By we, I mean, like, you know, just the women's division and people who love women's wrestling, specifically AEW. We continue to grow when we, you know, have more opportunities for these experienced veterans to be on TV and do what they do best. And Taya and Emmy are two of the absolute best. And I think their styles, Taya from the Lucha background, Emmy from her uh, um, from her Joshi background, meshed beautifully. And I would love to see those two run it back. And so the next match is a match that I got to see in person when I was in DC, which is Aussie Open versus Okada and Tanahashi versus the Motor City Machine Guns at um, the Capital Collision. Absolutely incredible match. Um, I was just screaming for everybody because I didn't know who to cheer for because I love all of these teams. I love all of these people individually. Uh, I grew up watching the Motor City Machine Guns whenever I watched TNA when it was on Spike. Uh, I love Aussie Open, as I've talked about, you know, frequently. And Okada and Tanahashi are absolute legends. Like, I think I was crying by the entrances because it's Okada and Tanahashi and all these people and the Motor City Machine Guns and Aussie Open. And I've never seen any of them live. And so it was just a special treat. This match was incredible. Kyle Fletcher... Almost was not no longer able to have kids because <laughs> he did a moonsault and fell like right on his balls. And it was nuts. On the rail, by the way. Uh, it was just such a great match. And I know that Okada and Tanahashi aren't typically used to multi-man matches. And by that, I mean, like, you know, three ways, four ways. But they did so well here. Um, I, even though this is the match where Tanahashi broke a rib. But ICF and won. And they were became once again the New Japan Strong Open Weight Tag Champs, and it was just a beautiful moment to witness them really ascend to greatness. And the schedule that they've been working to say that they won two sets of championships in one week, um, in addition to, um, if I'm mistaken, that was the same week. Yeah, they also wrestled the best friends on Rampage, and so. 
they have a full schedule. They've been literally jet sitting all over the world, and they're just performing on a, a whole another level right now. And also Okada and Tana Tanahashi, like they're just amazing. And I I love that they don't have to win the matches for them to be a dream team. And I think that Okada has said that. And but just the sight of them just you know makes you happy and it makes you love pro wrestling. And also the most Motor City Machine Guns. It's insane to me how good they still are and how good they continue to be. And they're legends. And when we talk about best teams of this generation, you got to talk about the Motor City Machine Guns because they have continuously set the bar, um, kicked ass, and took names for a very long time. Up next is a match from the very next day at Collision in Philadelphia. And no surprise there. But it's Aussie Open again versus someone here, Ishii versus Leo Rush. So I forgot who was originally supposed to be in this match, actually. But I know that there was a replacement made. And they, and so Tomohiro Ishii and Leo Rush were chosen to team up. And this match is for the um, NJPW Strong Openweight Championships. And even though this is a combination that I never would have guessed, this match was incredible. Like, I think Ishii and Leo Rush need to team up more often. I don't need know who I need to petition to make that happen. This match was absolutely incredible. I had to watch this one in the airport. But, wow, these guys are awesome. Like, I think, like, you know, Ishii has that strong, hard-hitting style. Leo Rush just flips in. And I don't say flips as in if as in that's all he does, but, like, he just hit. No one should be able to move like that. It's just the talent is limitless. And when you put them together versus an Aussie Open who is, you know, just so eager to prove that they are the best in the world and they continue to do so, it's only going to be magic, so I appreciate that that we got the chance to witness that. And also kudos to New Japan for putting on two killer shows on back-to-back nights. I love seeing tag team wrestling in the main event, intentional tag team wrestling in the main event. And so that match was lit. Next, have a match from Noah. And that was from Noah's Green Journey in Sendai, which was the match that I was really watching for, which is El Hio de Wagner versus Jack Morris. And so this was for the GHC National Championship. If you follow me on Twitter, you know that I have been pushing the Jack Morris agenda for quite some time now. I will not rest until Jack Morris has gold around his waist. However, I can't acknowledge that on this particular night, El Hio de Wagner, I'm sorry. I was not familiar with your game. Absolutely brilliant match. Absolutely brilliant. Um, Jack Morris is such an athlete. He's so good at what he does. Like I think that he's athletic, and I think that he can adapt to so many different styles and I you can just notice how much he's continuing to progress as he spends more time in Noah. However, El Hio del Wagner is clearly 
experienced and he has the ring psychology and he's just damn good. Like he's just damn good. And these two were damn good together. Um, and I do think that Wagner retaining was the right call where he, as much as it pains me to say, however, I think that Jack Morris looked incredible in defeat. And I think that he's only making a better case for him to eventually get some gold down the line, um, whether that's the, you know, the GHC heavyweight championship, whether that's the national championship eventually. He's had incredible, you know, matches against Kaido Kiyomiya and Melchior um, De Wagner, both for the heavyweight and the national championship. And so it's only up from here. I think this match was great for him and it made him look awesome. And I just want to see what he does next. I think that especially with him being in good-looking guys and with um, Jake Lee being champion right now, uh, I'm interested to see how he finds a way to stand out. Um, but as always, I will be a member of the Jack Morris Fan Club and pushing the agenda. Up next, Kanosuke Takeshita versus Lee Moriarty. This is another deep cut. If you watch Ring of Honor TV, when this one came out, when I obviously knew that it was going to be a banker as soon as that it was announced. However, this match was incredible. Like, this was real grabs, real wrestling. Like, this was real wrestling. These two are, I believe, the future of wrestling. You have these two young upstarts. And I will say, working on the Ring of Honor brand has been so good for Lee Moriarty. Um, tonight, he like you know, on Ring of Honor TV, he had a great match against Rocky Romero. And they're going to have a rematch with Pure Rules next week that I'm excited to see. But this Sakeshita Lee Moriarty match was great. Like you saw a little bit of everything. Like you saw athleticism, you saw high flying, you saw heavy hitting, you saw just about everything. And I think that with Sakeshita becoming a huge focal point of AEW right now, because he's a member of this elite Blackpool Combat Club feud, um, I think that is cool that he had an opportunity to remind people that yes. I can do the drama, but yes, I'm also still one of the best wrestlers in the world. And I'm so excited about what's next for him. I don't know what that is. Um, at one point, I thought that he was going to be the one to dethrone Orange Cassidy for the international championship. I'm not quite so sure just because right now, just because I know like he's occupied with his own stuff. And I know that at, there have been several other people who had, you know, can make a realistic argument to defeat Orange Cassidy. And also, Orange Cassidy is just so damn good, and I'm going to get to that later. But Kanosuke Takeshita versus Lee Moriarty was an incredible match. And if you haven't seen it, I encourage you to subscribe to Honor Club and go watch it. This will be a match that I go back personally and rewatch, just because it was so good. And it was just so technically sound. Like... I love matches that are so technically sound and they can hold up in any era. Like I think a lot of times matches are like a lot like clothes, you know, like fashion. And a lot of things you can tell like how when sometimes wrestlers are just like, you know, how they wrestle based off to which trendy, like what fans react to in a certain, you know, period of time, because that's just, you know, how things are just like fashion. 
but the best matches are the matches that are timeless. The matches that you can watch in 2000, the matches that you can watch in 2010, the matches you can watch in 2020, the matches you can watch in 2025, and they are still universally recognized as absolute classics. And I feel like this one was one of those technically sound matches that I know that I'll be able to rewatch just about forever. So it was awesome. Next match. I'm so excited about these next two. Uh, much like WrestleMania Night 1 and um, Sakura Genesis, I had to choose multiple from this show because it was just that damn good. And, of course, I'm talking about Stardom, All-Star, Grand Queendom. If you haven't heard last week's episode with Adriana, you need to, where we did a rundown of all things Stardom and in anticipation of the show. However, this completely just surpassed all of my expectations. I loved this show. It was worth every single hour of sleep that I lost by staying up all night. And it was just beautiful just seeing, you know, I just have a thing. I hate that finish the story has become like just such a colloquial terms to use all the time, especially since the person that actually made it up hasn't even finished their story. But I truly do love seeing people finish their stories. And just like I said about Aussie Open earlier, this night, um, as far as Stardom All-Star Grand Queendom was a night that a lot of people finished their stories. And there were a lot of great matches. I only picked two because, you know, we can't be here all night. But I... The one that I loved the most, like by far the most, because like I said, I love a good hoss fight. I love, you know, people when they just chop the hell out of each other and just, you know, try to put their opponents in the ground. And so as soon as this one was announced, I knew that sign me up. And that is Suri versus Chihiro Hashimoto. Absolutely incredible ordeal. 16 minutes of violence, of big mean women slapping meat, which is, like I said, my favorite brand of women's wrestling. That match was stiff as stiff could come. That was the type of match that would make Aja Kong cry and clutch her pearls, but enjoy. She would do it with joy and she would do it with pride absolutely just insane Suri as we know one of the best strikers in the world so accomplished both in the wrestling world as well as in the UFC mixed martial arts world she's the real deal she's legitimate then you have Big Cash who is also very accomplished in the professional wrestling world but also very experienced in the amateur wrestling world and it's just so good like you have this match was literally two of the most technically sound individuals as well as the two two of the hardest hitting individuals in wrestling today just genuinely beating each other up and the fact that they beat each other up like that because this was a knockout or submission match no pinfalls they did all this and there was no title on the line this was just about respect and I think the build to this match was incredible when you have Suri showing up to Sendai Girls and pouring a beer over Hash's head and then kissing her. And like, it was just great. And 10 out of 10. Um, 
And actually, no, it's not 10 out of 10, because this was not a five-star match. And I say this because I know that they have more in them. Like, I know that they have more in them. And that's what excites me even more. It was a great match, but I know that they have more in them. And Suri has hinted that she's willing to come to Sendai Girls and run this back, which makes me even more excited because even though they fought for 16 minutes straight, I wanted to see them go all day. And I know that that would never happen, especially for a non-title match on a big card like this. But man, I'm excited to see these two. I could literally watch them fight forever. The next match, actually, no, I want to just give a brief shout out to two of the matches on the card. Obviously, Mina Shirakara versus Saya Kamatani. Mina finished her story after Saya broke her jaw. Um, Saya, you know, just going for that Phoenix Splash for the first time since she broke Mina's job. And, you know, Mina has just, she's really blossomed. She came back with a new look, a new attitude, a new confidence, started a new faction. She became a leader. Club Venus is doing incredible. And she finally won that white belt. And she's becoming one of the biggest stars in stardom. And she's creating other stars, which is so cool. And I'm just so proud of her. She finished her story. And also, Saya has nothing to be ashamed of. That was one hell of a run as Wonder of Stardom champion. And that was a lot of defenses. What was it, 17? Or Yeah, like, she she held that title. Like, she, she, she held on to it. And she was, she was a champion. She was a great champion. And the next match is obviously Mercedes Monet versus Mayu Iwatani. Great match. Very short match, I will say. Like, I think it clocked at like 12 or so minutes. And that was the part that I was kind of questioning because, like, it was a great match, but I think that the length is what held it back from really, I can, from me being able to say that it was one of my favorites. Like, there's a difference between, like, the triple threat matches to Curry to Genesis because, yeah, that's 12, 13 minutes. But it's also a high-speed match where, like, things are happening, like, lightning quick versus I feel like the Mercedes-Mayu match at All-Star Grand Kingdom is 12 minutes at regular speed. And so, especially with it being billed as a double main event, I just... I wasn't quite understanding the timing part, but it's clear that their story isn't over. And so, you know what? I think that one thing that Mercedes's reign or not reign, but her run in Japan was lacking is like, obviously she's having these matches, these one-off matches, but she was lacking a true rivalry. And so I think that, you know, that is what started here with her and Mayu. And so I think that we're definitely going to see a rematch at some point which is going to be very exciting. Um, these are two icons, two respective icons of their country and countries. And I think that we're going to see those two fight for a very long time. And so I'm excited. Also, Mayu finishing her story of, you know, originally losing to Kyrie and then finally capturing the championship after Mercedes has embarrassed her publicly. She has finally won every single title available in stardom. She has cemented herself as the true icon of stardom. And 
that's a lot to be proud of. Um, and also, Mercedes's outfit was bomb. Like, oh my God, the Darth Maul wig, the Eddie Guerrero Black Tiger mask gear, fantastic. And I have been obsessed with Mercedes's gears since, like, her NXT days, like, you know. And but this one, top five, top five all time gears, and that's saying something because she has had some great gears but absolute kudos to both women but getting back to the other match that is ranked on my favorite matches of april and that is tim nakano versus julia obviously we knew these two were going to try to kill each other they've done it numerous times that's no secret however this match was violent we knew it was going to be violent but it was violent um and I just love how that's one thing I love about Joshi wrestling is just like I feel like these women put their lives on the line. And obviously all wrestlers put their lives on the line, but like because like you know of the physical nature and the risk association. When I say that Joshi wrestling and specifically the best Joshi wrestlers, Joshi wrestlers like they fight with their entire life like you genuinely feel like they are going to die if they don't do not win the match like you can genuinely feel their will to win at all costs and like putting their bodies on the line and their minds and their livelihood and you can literally it's just the emotion and i, I think it's so crazy especially for me being american and like being the english speakers because when you watch the press conferences and things like that there i can't unless there are subtitles i don't know exactly what they're saying i don't but the emotion is so clear that it comes across, I think, especially with like the Julia and Tam press conferences. Even if you don't understand a word they're saying, you understand everything they're saying. Just because that emotion, you can't fake it. It comes across so clearly. Like it felt like and I and, and I think it's so crazy is now that I look back, it shouldn't have been a surprise to anyone that Tam was going to win because in that press conference, it sounded like Tam was about to bust a blood vessel, vessel talking about how much she hated Julia and how much um, Julia ruined her white belt reign and <laughs> how much, like, you know, she needed revenge and absolutely incredible. And then you have Julia leaving this large, extra large goose egg on Tam's head at a press conference. Um, also, Mayu left a knot on Mercedes' head. Um, I was like, wow, that is that Welcome to Japan special. But anyway, you have, like, Tam and Julia, like, they literally tried to kill each other. And what a match. So special. Um, obviously, I think most of us expected Julia's reign to be so much more, long, so much longer. However, seeing Tam win... So when her, you know, finish her story, I think, like, it was so special that, you know, I don't care. I just don't care. Like, I, I, I don't care about, like, what should happen or what, you know, a title reign, a, a strong title reign, what should be considered a strong title reign. Like, I don't care. I'm not a booker. I'm a fan. You know, like, I love this. I love seeing people finish their stories. And also, I don't think that Julia lost anything, you know? 
And you know, one thing that I've realized is as we're heading into all of these big shows, particularly Forbidden Door and, you know, AEW All In, a lot, there's been a lot of talk about like, oh, we want to see Julia versus Mercedes. We want to see Julia versus Jamie Hayter. But, oh, the belt is the problem because they're not going to have her lose with her being, you know, world champ. Well, guess what? Problem solved. She no longer has a belt. And neither does Mercedes. You can now have them beat the hell out of each other. And whoever can win, it doesn't matter anymore. You can now have Julia fight Jamie Hayter um, at any point and no longer, you know, matters who takes the pin. Because... Yeah, you don't have all these extra belts involved. And so it's a really cool thing. And I, even now, like, you know, the possibilities are open for All In. You know, maybe they will pull the trigger, maybe they won't. But, you know, Julia was born in London, England. And so, hint, hint, wiggle, wiggle, Tony Khan. If you want to make another one of my dreams come true, have at it. But, I, I yeah, I don't think it was Julia lost anything and also, with I think with the few being so integral to stardom and, and Julia and Tam, like finishing that story on the on the largest possible show that they've ever done, the biggest show in women's professional wrestling history, I think it was so fitting and it was so beautiful. And Cosmic Angels on back on top, baby. Um, Cosmic Angels and Club Venus, even though, you know, Waka left and even though Mina left, both factions, you know, everything worked out. Everybody got their happy ending. You have Nats Boy just won the um, artist starting belts with Restart. Kyrie's also a part of that group, so she's now a champion too. You have Mel Tier, both have gold, and they dropped an EP in the same week. Absolutely incredible. Also, if you haven't heard it yet, go listen to it. The Mel Tier EP is really good. I've been listening to it on nonstop. Speaking of listening to things nonstop, listen to the Hater Rave, the 30-minute Hater Rave released by AEW Music today. Absolutely insane. It's great for people who work out, great for people who don't work out. It's just an absolutely insane mix of so many um, AEW themes with, uh, obviously, Jamie Hayter's banger of an entrance theme. But it's so good. Like, it really doesn't sound like wrestling music. Like, it's it's pretty awesome. I, I, I can't say enough good things about it. Probably after I finish recording this, I'm going to go listen to it again. But the last match on my list is Orange Cassidy versus Bandito. Um, yeah. Orange Cassidy is the best, the most consistent champion in AEW. What, what, what do they say at this point? Um, 20? 20 defenses? Absolutely insane. He's just done them so well. Like He just had a great match also in Philadelphia, his first New Japan match versus you know, Gabriel Kidd, and he went up in the championship. But Orange Cassidy, like I said about Emmy Soccer, he is the sixth man. Uh, of the year for AEW, he comes off the bench. He can score 60 at any given moment in time. He's incredible. Everybody loves him. And he can just adapt anything. He gets what wrestling is supposed to be. He gets the business. And, yeah, he just stands out. He's so, and also, Bandito is so freaking strong. Like, those two are magic together. Can't believe that they're teaming up with Roderick Strong next week. Like, I love professional wrestling. I love professional wrestling so much. Like, I can't even put it into words. But 
Orange Cassidy, this rain has been so good. And like I said earlier, I don't know who's going to defeat him. I don't even know if I want anybody to defeat him. But life is good, man. Um, stay freshly squeezed. It's just, he's been awesome. Bandito's awesome. Um, I want to see Bandito on Bullet Club Gold. I don't know. Like, I think he would be perfect. But, you know, hey, I'll take whatever at this point. I love seeing him on my TV. Um, but, yeah, I think Orange Cassidy just continues to sit at the bar. These two make magic together. Um, like I said before, I've said before, I need Bandito versus Claudio Castagnoli at some point. Um, I need them to swing each other around over and over and over and over again and give me a heart attack. I think that would be beautiful. But those are my matches. Those are some of the matches that I've loved. Like I said, there are so many, so many, so many more. But I decided to pick 16 of the ones that stood out to me the most. And, you know, um, next week, I promise that the episode will be out on time. Um, I look forward to continuing to share so much more content with you all, especially now that I have a little bit of a break from school. But I hope that you enjoy all of the great pro wrestling that is going on right now. Like, I feel like if you watch any one or single or even two promotions, I feel like you're doing yourself a disservice. Soak them all. Drink it in, man. Um, in the words of YTJ, like, drink it in. Like, there's so many, so much, so many great promotions all over the world um, putting on great wrestling. Like, Stardom just put All-Star Grand, Queen, Grand Queendom up on Stardom World. Um, New Japan world i spend way too much time on there and i also am going to spend the weekend watching roger strong matches because yeah and i just encourage you all to do the same so until the next time i hope you all have a fabulous week and if you want to talk to me in between times you can always follow me on twitter at lyric wrestling have a great week, guys. Talk to you later.